This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com. I haven't had to really venture into a grocery store, but my understanding is that there's, you know, limitations on the number of dozens of eggs that you can buy and that it's hard to get sliced bread. And, you know, these are things that you can order directly from your farmers and pick them up without leaving the safety of your vehicle. Hello, I'm Lindsay Christians. And I'm Chris Lay. This is The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. We're coming to you for now from our homes. A few weeks ago, the Dane County Farmer's Market canceled for the first time since 1972. This weekend was supposed to be the very first outdoor market of the season, but the state of Wisconsin has canceled all events on the square for the foreseeable future. The cool thing about Madison's Saturday morning market Meeting the farmers, seeing friends, shuffling around the square while eating spicy cheese bread is a liability in the time of COVID-19. We got an update from Sarah Elliott, the manager of the Dane County Farmers Market, on the changes that they're making and how people can support local farms until the market makes its triumphant return. Remember, six feet of separation and give a listen. So my name is Sarah Elliott, and I am the market manager for the Dane County Farmers Market. How long have you been the market manager? Oh, I think four years. This is maybe the biggest event that I can recall in the market's history. Like, does it feel like you're living through history? It does. I mean, I think that we all are absolutely living through a traumatic event right now. And it, you know, certainly feels like it is going to have a lasting impression upon the market itself and certainly upon the local food scene here in Madison and Mm -hmm. small farmers across the whole state. Yeah. Are any of the the farmers that you know of like already like starting to, you know, feel you know, the tremendous hit? Because I mean, we've only been about, what, three weeks, two or three weeks from, you know, restaurants kind of battening the hatches. And is there, uh, yeah, any any perceptible stuff that you've seen already? We definitely are already seeing farmers that are experiencing pretty extreme financial hardship because of the pandemic and the cancellation of markets um, and the closure of restaurants. And I think there's a whole slew of factors that are kind of contributing, but one definitely is that this time of year is kind of the like most meager time of year for a farmer. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, the end of the winter. So a lot of them aren't making consistent sales or haven't been making consistent sales for a few months, but they're also in like full swing getting ready for the upcoming growing season. So that means they've spent a lot of money on, you know, seeds and all sorts of other things in anticipation. And I think that the timing definitely has impacted farmers. There's some studies that say that farmers market farmers that like two missed markets is often enough to send their business into a tailspin. Mm. And, you know, certainly that varies significantly from farmer to farmer. Um, But we have had three canceled I, the time just like keeps going away we've either had three or four camps four canceled markets already so that can have a huge huge impact yeah 
Well, I mean, those were the the ones at Garver. I mean, and not to minimize that, obviously, but I know that every single year, the first farmer's market around the square is, you know, a huge, you know, citywide event. I mean, it really kind of takes over just the, the vibe of, of, of the town for, you know, for that for that day. Absolutely. And that was oh, it's definitely part of why, I mean, it was a very hard um, decision. And it's a decision that I think, you know, kind of leads people, myself included, our farmers included, through kind of a range of emotions. And the postponing or the, the cancellation of our opening day, like is something that evokes a lot of emotion, like people are very sad. Some people are very frustrated. Some people don't understand why we can't just open business as usual. And then, you know, then there's definitely kind of a sense of grief and mourning for the tradition that was. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally see that. I mean, when we sort of chatted maybe a week ago, um, I went and I sort of looked to see what some of the other farmers markets around the country were doing. And other markets have, you know, stayed open with precautions. And I wonder if when if and when the market is able to reopen again, do you see a way forward with additional precautions to keep people safe? Maybe. So I think right now there's a lot of different factors in play. And like I mentioned, uh, the state of Wisconsin is who issues our permit for the market around the Capitol Square, Mm -hmm. um, which isn't our only market, but it does tend to be the one that we're talking about in general, when folks are talking about the Dane County Farmers Market. And so certainly, you know, before we can really consider operating in any sort of normal fashion, the state would need to reinstate permits for events around the Capitol Square. And, you know, that's not just the Farmers Market, it's also the other beloved events that happen on the Capitol Square. So some of it, you know, I need to acknowledge is out of our control. Um, And then I do think that there are ways that markets can certainly enhance their precautionary measures. But to be really honest, like the Dane County Farmers Market around the Capitol Square is so crowded for us Mm -hmm. to implement precautionary measures. We would need to take some pretty drastic steps of either reducing the number of vendors that were present or changing the physical space in some big way in order to create more space. Yeah. Could the market move like Debris Stevens or something like that? So um, <laughs> that is a very big question. And <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I think, um, I mean, we love having our um, art fair farmers market at Bree Stevens the week that we're displaced with, um, due to the art fair on the square, but it is, it's also probably too small of a space. We have to reduce the number of vendors pretty significantly when we're there. Yeah. Um, but we are, so we're piloting our local food pickup model and we are actively looking for a larger space for that sort of model, trying to take things as they come. So I don't know if I can really speak to, would we move the whole market? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to think like, if you were on a football field, you know, you could control right. the number of people who come to the door and you could also like limit the number of vendors. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what, what options are really viable, but I'm also, I'm curious about the local food pickup. Maybe explain to folks how that works and, and maybe an update on how it's been going. Sure. So the basic 
gist of it is that the Dane County Farmers Market releases a list of participating vendors and information on the products that they have available as well as how to connect to the farmers. And then customers have to pre-order and prepay with the farmers. And we recognize that it's a really clunky system um, because customers have to make individual purchases with the separate farmers. So there's definitely some legwork on our customers' part. But then we are able to provide a centralized gathering spot, which right now is at Garver Feed Mill, where the customers can come and drive through to pick up their purchases and they don't get out of their vehicles. We're able to maintain very stringent safety precautions. And I think that. Everyone involved, um, vendors, customers, public health, like all feel like it is a very safe model right now, which is fantastic because, you know, I haven't had to really venture into a grocery store, but my understanding is that there's, you know, limitations on the number of dozens of eggs that you can buy and that it's hard to get sliced bread. And, you know, these are things that you can order directly from your farmers and pick them up without leaving the safety of your vehicle. We have, so we've had three local food pickups. Our fourth one um, is this week and they've been going incredibly well. We have had a lot of vendor and customer interest, um, so much so that we are looking for a larger space and so that we can be more efficient with processing vehicles and just get more folks through in a quick way. Uh, Last week, some folks definitely patiently waited in their vehicles for quite some time. Hmm. <laughs> so, and you know my understanding is you also have to wait in line outside to get into costco so i think it's a toss-up yeah. but you know clearly we don't want to have people waiting in line for 30 minutes that's not the ideal well i mean i waited i didn't wait a half an hour but i mean i waited outside of the willie street co-op uh the other day because they they'd limited their their number of people to i think like 30 30 people in at a time yeah so it's everywhere it is. This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. Is there any way to gauge the effect on, I think, of all the related businesses, like around the square And because the farmer's market, right, is not just farmers and people. It's like a big event that involves musicians and like business for restaurants and all kinds of other things. Like, do you have any sense of the economic impact of the market and what the loss of it might mean? Oh, we don't have a real sense of economic impact to the surrounding businesses. That's something we've talked about and just not had any sort of bandwidth, but it definitely is a big event. I mean, a typical Saturday at peak season pulls well over 20,000 people. Um, We clearly are not in peak season right now in April, but opening day still usually pulls easily over 12,000. And certainly, you know, folks are grabbing a cup of coffee and doing all of these other things with all of the other wonderful businesses around the square and down State Street. And I imagine many of those businesses are either already closed or are in a carryout only model. Mm-hmm. Um, so the you know postponement of the market is kind of just some more salt in that wound of how do we keep all of our small businesses alive? 
What is the hope right now for when you might be able to come back? Like, is there any kind of timeline? So we really don't know. And I mean, that is because none of us know how long the outbreak is going to last. And, you know, certainly the safer at home orders are currently extended, at least to my knowledge, through the 24th of April, um, but maybe extended beyond that. And then there's also the uh, executive order 72 and emergency order 5 and 12. And we're not sure like what specifically needs to be suspended or, you know, rescinded for the state to want to give us our permit. Yeah, it's out of your hands. But I mean, it's in the the decision is going to be based on the pandemic itself. And nobody knows how long that's going to be, you know, be a problem. Right. And it's definitely, you know, the goal of the state is definitely to make sure that they're upholding public safety and well-being. And clearly that's utterly linked to the pandemic. And so it does leave just a ton of uncertainty for, you know, the market as an organization, of course, and our customers, but also for the farmers And we are kind of seeing some immediate responses in terms of changing in their crop planning for this year. You know, normally this time of year, farmers are all in on lettuce and radishes and things that have pretty short growing spans and then are pretty perishable once they are harvested. And we're already seeing a shift to folks that are putting more root crops in the ground because they spend a lot longer time in the ground and then they can spend a lot longer time in the cooler. And just like having that feels a little comforting or like a little bit like insurance to farmers right now. Yeah. Are you hearing from any farmers who are not going to plant or who are going to shift to like corn and soy and that kind of thing? Like we're hearing a little bit of it. And I, I mean, I think we're at the beginning stages of hearing about that, both because of where we are in the year and our farmers do come from all across the state of Wisconsin. So especially folks a little bit farther up north are that much more delayed in where they are in their growing season. But we are starting to hear of folks that are thinking about, yeah, either sitting the season out completely or looking at doing some corn soy rotation, especially if they have other land that's already in the corn soy rotation. I think there's a just a lot of uncertainty and there's definitely some farmers that are still kind of sitting in the denial stage of grieving and believing that like maybe things will be back to normal really soon. Which I mean if if things do get back to normal sooner than people are expecting then you know they'll be in in a good place to provide things that we need but yeah, it's a, it's a big risk. It is. One thing you have on the uh, the Dane County Farmers Market uh, website, dcfm.org, um, you have the Emergency Farmer Fund. Yes. Where, where people can donate. Yep. So pretty um, soon, like pretty much immediately in partnership with Fair Share CSA Coalition, we released an Emergency Farmer Fund. And it was really a kind of proactive, very concrete step that we could take in order to help farmers because we were already immediately just after one canceled market 
hearing from folks that that was having just a huge, incredible negative financial impact on their business. Mm -hmm. And then our farmers that are members of either the Dane County Farmers Market or Fair Share can apply for $500 of immediate assistance to just help them manage this crisis that we're currently in. Yeah, And certainly that $500 presents like real actual money that they can use to, you know, pay for their tractor loan or help cover employee wages where things have gotten upset or cover the loss of a restaurant account that was closed. I mean, it has actual real financial impact, but even more than that, it's really amazing to see the community support behind our farmers. And I think that that also means just the world to our farmers right now to be able to look at that and say like all these people donated money because they see value in what I am doing. Yeah. I mean, the one upside to all of this really has been, you know, members of the community saying, how can we help buying, you know, gift cards from restaurants? And, you know, there's uh, we, we've interviewed um, some uh, like food service people in the past about, you know, where things are at. And it has been really nice just to see just how supportive the community is you know, for helping to prop up, you know, these businesses and, and farms while, you know, when, when the going gets tough. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that that has been a very, you know, silver lining um, to a relatively dark time. And I I think we're going to see some changing consumer preferences that last beyond just the current restrictions because of COVID. And I think that that is going to be one of them, or I hope that that is going to be one of them, that we see this reinvigorated desire to support local, whether it's small businesses or restaurants or farmers. I was wondering if you could just quickly give us a sense of the scope. So I know that, you know, the market obviously has hundreds of of vendors over the season, but can you give us a sense of how many you would have expected had this Saturday gone on as planned? Sure. So yeah, throughout the course of the season, all 265 of our members have to vend during the outdoor uh, market, but clearly things take a while to ramp up. Typically, opening day, we'll see just shy of 100 vendors, and then we often see a little dip down to like 70-ish vendors for a few weeks as the season ramps up. But like you were talking about in the beginning, opening day is such a tradition that we have uh, more farmers that choose to participate that day. And then at peak season, like around 165 is the peak that you'll see on a Saturday in like late August, early September. Yeah. How can people help? What are the best ways for folks to help? We've sort of mentioned a few of them, but I wonder if there are any others to add. I mean, I think that one of the most helpful things that people can do is just continue to be patient and kind. And we recognize that this is a loss for our community as well as for our farmers. And I hope that people recognize that we, along with, you know, so many other local food partners in this, we're all trying our best to figure out new systems and new models that connect consumers to farmers. And so certainly, you know, our local food pickups or the emergency farmer fund. We also have a resource that's just directly how to connect with farmers that are doing either their own home delivery or on-farm pickups or other models. Here in the next week or so, we will be releasing a special resource just on how to connect with our plant vendors as 
folks are spending, you know, more time at home and there's more uncertainty about what you'll find at the grocery store. It seems like everybody's really excited to plant a garden like right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which might be you you might be planting twice this year if you plant this early. But um, (laughs) so we'll put out those resources and I think, you know, tapping into those resources, but also, you know, we are making choices for our unique situation, which is being an incredibly busy farmer's market. But we expect that in, you know, the next month or so, there are going to be other local farmer's markets that will be able to open. And we absolutely, you know, want to encourage customers to patronize other farmer's markets, join a CSA, figure out ways that you can connect directly with your farmers. Absolutely. And you mentioned um, that there were ways that you were going to have on the website, but you also have on the, the DaneCountyFarmersMarket.org uh, website, uh, the Buy Direct uh, from Farmers, the, the guide that you put together, which is all the different farms, what they sell and where you can go and buy them at local places as a means of supporting them, right? Yes. And that resource, we are continuing to update two to three times a week because there are more folks coming online every week, either because they're starting to harvest or because they are starting to kind of wrap their heads around this new reality and figure out what their alternative methods are. So that's definitely a great kind of one-stop shop for connecting with our members. People just have to bring their own spicy cheese bread to Hy-Vee or wherever. <laughs> they... <laughs> I, I I think that you can order directly from Stella's. That's my, I think you can order and pick it up at their bakery. <laughs> Wonderful. Look at that. That's awesome. Yep. So you can keep that Madison tradition alive. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking some time, Sarah. And we hope that that we see all kinds of improvements and innovations very soon. Excellent. Thank you guys for everything. No, it's our pleasure. Keep up the great work. This has been The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times and recorded in the semi-comfort of our own homes. Our theme music was composed by Patrick Christians, and the show was edited by Natalie Yar. You can subscribe to The Corner Table wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to send your quarantine cooking club adventures to lchristians at madison.com. Lindsay and I are both on Twitter and Instagram, so please feel free to track us down there. You can like our podcast page on Facebook, and be sure to check out captimes.com for more local food and drink news, as well as continuing coverage of the coronavirus. I am food editor Lindsay Christians. And I am food lover Chris Lay. Our wish for you this week is eggs any way you want them. Cheers. Cheers. I think that's a keeper. Yup, I like it. Boop, boop, ba, doop, boop, boop, boop. This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com.